welcome to Women of Fortitude with Rondi Jane and Kelsey. This is a place where women share their stories to inspire other women. And also to remind all women that you are a woman of fortitude. Here we are with another episode of Women of Fortitude with Rondi Jane and Kelsey. Today we have Miss Carrie Jones with us. And Carrie, don't know your story. God has a, a wonderful story through you. So just a little info on Carrie. She is a mom. She has two boys and a girl, wife to Jarvis. And I just have to say, I just love Jarvis. He's always so friendly and just always so inspiring and encouraging at CrossFit. I'm just going to turn it over to Carrie and I'm going to let her tell us what she wants to tell us. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to um, even be considered as somebody to be a part of this show. A woman of fortitude is just, it leaves me in awe because if anybody would have knew me 10 years ago, like I was that woman that people run from. I was that person that people talked about, you know, that she's never going to make it, you know. She's just a waste, you know, anything you could think about somebody that had failed in life, that was who I was. God has done an amazing work in my life. Just gonna kinda go and give a little bit of background from the time that when I was very young, like I don't really remember anything about my parents being together or anything, but at the age of three, my father, he got me. My mother went to prison. My father got custody of me and he raised me most of my life. As for as long as I can remember, like I don't, I'm not gonna go into much about like as far as my parents' story because that's theirs to share. I always had a feeling of, as a little girl, of you know, not being enough, not being loved, not having that place to who I was or what I was supposed to be in life. Through many years, like in my childhood and on up, you know, into a teenage, there was sexual abuse that I went through, physical abuse, there was, you know, mental abuse that I went through. I, I could say, like, on the outside, and I love both of my parents, but, you know, a lot of times parents don't necessarily know how to love a child. Like I said, I don't want to blame anything on my parents or anything, but it was just really hard finding my place in life through the years. I would have to say by the age of about 15, 14 or 15, I started experimenting in drugs, like marijuana and maybe a little bit of drinking and stuff. I think the first thing, you know, I always had kind of a messed up perception of what love was. I just wanted to feel love. And wherever I got that attention from boys or whatever, you know, that was what kind of clung to, wherever it come from. I think the first incident that I went through that really made a big turning point in my life as far as something that really changed me was I got pregnant at the age of 15. I was still staying with my father at the time and I told him and the guy that I was seeing that his mom that I was pregnant I basically was, you know, told that we got to get rid of this baby. 
no, a gun was never held to my head or anything like that. But as a young girl, you know, I really didn't know what to do, but just to listen, at the age of 15, I had an abortion. The guy, the father of the child, he was made to like move away. I didn't really see him or even get to look to him for what really to do in the situation, but his mom was there and my dad. I think that was like the first thing that really started putting a lot of guilt and shame on my life. Thinking back a lot, the sexual abuse and everything I went through, like I almost looked to it like, maybe is this normal, you know? Like, I don't really know, you know? Is is this, you know, what, what happens? I don't know, but it didn't really affect me the way that having that abortion did. After that, I just feel like I was kind of like empty inside and stuff and I moved out of my dad's house and my mom really wasn't there on and off most of my life. She had her own battles she faced and everything and she had moved back around that time. You know, all those years of not getting to be with her and longing to have that mother figure and my dad tried to to have provide that for me but a lot of times it was he would get in relationships and I would cling to that female figure in my life and you know look to her as a mother and then they would split up and then I would feel so abandoned all over again. Why I could never have that mother figure that constant in my life I feel like that really did something to me and when my mom moved back around here and I got the opportunity like after that, I moved out and I'll never forget that. What led up to that is I was at the point like I really wanted to kill myself. And I remember getting my dad's gun and going into my room and holding that gun to my head and telling my daddy was standing there in the doorway. And I'm like, if you come in, I'm blowing my head off. And they never come in, but like, I was just like, I've got to leave. I'm going to live with my mom and... I've just got to go, in which I don't know if really now I blamed him for for what I did, even though, like, you know, like I said, he didn't force me, but I think I still held some blame there, you know, that it could have been different. So I left, and I swapped schools. I went, and I lived with my mother, and I ended up starting seeing this guy out there and started taking pills, smoking weed, Whatever kind of drugs, you know, come in my face, like, I wanted to try it. I didn't want to feel anything. only thing that made me feel was just to get high and stay high and just numb everything that I was facing. And it ended up going from one thing to another, Dilatus, then Crystal Med. By 17, I got and had just finished graduating. I got sent to my first rehab, and it was down in Fairland. Well, I had gotten some trouble when we were supposed to be going on our senior trip. I actually did not go. I ended up going with a couple guys and buying a whole bunch of drugs and everything. And I got caught. Actually, my daddy was in the police car with the policeman. They pulled us over and we had some pills and stuff. But I ended up getting to go to rehab, get to trip because I wasn't quite 18 yet. So I turned 18 in my first treatment center. As soon as I come out, one of the first things I wanted to do was go get something to drink. 
Well, the first stop when May was getting some alcohol. As soon as we left there, I was young. I didn't really think anything in it, you know, and I was not ready at all. And I wasn't for many years later. But, you know, after we come back, you know, my daddy had a lot of pain medication. I was getting in his pain medication. It was just right back to where I left off. And it was just a vicious cycle. Well, after I got back, I ended up getting pregnant with my son uh, and I had him at the age of 19. Also when I got back I met his dad and Lord it was just one bad <laughs> relationship to the next but as soon as I found somebody showing me some attention I just clung to that. By this time I, I know that my addiction like I know that addict in me anything that could change how I felt you know I wanted it. It didn't matter what it was. And so I got in a relationship with my son's father, which was terrible from day one. We was no good, very toxic for one another. Ended up having my son no sooner than after I had him. I even struggled and with staying clean while I was pregnant. And I know that's horrible to say, but it was just struggle. And I ended up leaving. I had to leave him in this area and I went and stayed with my dad's girlfriends just and got a job there just so I could completely get away so I wouldn't use while I was pregnant and this was like right towards the end so then right before I got ready to have him I grabbed on myself one day and I come back no sooner than I had him like while I was in the hospital my son's father was like in the bathroom getting high so it was just moments, you know, after having him that I was back on drugs. And this was the period of time his drug of choice was cocaine. And I never really tried cocaine until I got with him from the very beginning of our relationship. We was partying, doing cocaine, like all nights, every night, all night. And, you know, then that eventually he started messing with like crack. Our whole relationship was built off of drugs. At this point, it was like stealing, you know, from stores to, to get drugs. Like, it was just, it was awful. It was just horrible, horrible relationship, life, and everything. We finally separated from one another. And one thing that I know, looking back, times God had his hands on my life. After we had had our son, we was actually in... Corinth getting some drugs and was sitting there. He was in the passenger seat and I was in the driver's seat and he was doing the deal with this guy and the guy was right here at my window and the guy reached right across my face and shot him point blank in the face. It was just like one of those moments of complete shock. I just, I didn't even know. I thought he had just hit him with a rock or something, but he had shot him. And he literally, had my son's father had to tell me to drive. And the bullet had went in his mouth and come out his neck. Thank God our son was not in the vehicle. But I do know that even in my mess, God had his hands on me at that point. Because why this man didn't shoot me? Because I ended up having to identify him. Why he didn't turn and shoot me? You know, it was God, because how can you shoot somebody and then leave the witness right there just in your face? I know that was God's hand on my life right then. But 
after that, you know, we ended up splitting up and going our separate ways and everything. At the age of 21, I went to prison for the first time. My son was two whenever I had to leave him. I had got caught with possession with intent to distribute. And so at 21, I was headed to the penitentiary for the first time. A lot of people was like, was you scared? I really wasn't for the fact that my mom had been in prison so many times and I was had already been down there. And like, I feel like at this point in my life, I didn't have any fear of like what could happen. I had to fight for custody as Whenever I look back, like, my sister-in-law at that time, you know, she tried to take custody of my son, and I'm grateful that she was there to watch him, but it was a battle. You know, while I was in prison, I got brought back in shackles and a yellow jumpsuit to fight for, to not lose my rights of him, and my family had hired a, a good lawyer, and thank God I didn't. I didn't lose my rights, you know, they gave me another chance. I spent 18 months in jail that time and when I come out have a mindset I'm gonna do what's right and I did for a, for a while I did I and I got my son back I stayed with my dad I got in church and there was periods where God was was calling me he was planting seeds along the way when I first went to prison that time for months when I first got there I would just stay on my rack and I would read. And that was really my first time of really reading the word. Although I didn't have an understanding because I didn't have that relationship that I do now. I was still just reading. And I knew all along all those years, God was the answer. He was the one that was carrying me through it, even though I didn't know. I knew deep down in my heart because, and now I know what that was. You know, God creates us. He creates our heart to have a place for him. And a lot of times we get sidetracked when we don't put him where he's supposed to go and we start feeling it with all this stuff of the world to try to find that, that wholeness, you know, and nothing's ever going to make you whole. Thank God I know this now and I've learned this now, but man, if I could have just got it back then, it would have been great and saved a lot of heartache. But anyway, I come out and I ended up getting my son back and started doing, doing good and everything. 2006, me and my husband, we actually went to school at Boonville together. We played ball together, rode the bus when we had games and stuff and everything. And he would flirt and try to grab my butt <laughs> on the bus, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until I come out of prison that first time that me and him kind of connected. And from that point on, it was on and off for years, but like around 2000, probably 11, I think, is when I tried to get back into school. I went back to college and started working on getting a degree then. I stayed in there for like a year and a half, and then I was doing pills, smoking weed, but nothing hard. At that, I was maintaining, I guess you would say. Well, that summer come, and I got out of school for the summer, and just a couple weeks in it, I took a bunch of Xanaxes, got caught shoplifting, and went back to prison. I think that was, like, the second time. I don't know. I get, like, the dates and stuff confused and mixed up, but during this time, like, me and Jarvis was kind of on and off. 
2013, the, the, when I went to prison, I was praying for God to let me have another child. Let me have a little girl. Because me and Jarvis was wanting a little girl together. And we had tried everything, which, you know, we was in our mess. We wasn't in no place to be having a child by no means. But we wanted one. I never could get pregnant or anything like that. And when I was in prison, like, I was only there for, like, four months, I think, that time. It was just, like, a probation violation. I just remember just, I would pray, like, every night when everybody was kind of laid down, I would just, just pray, you know, for, for God to bless us and give us that child, give us that baby girl, knowing I didn't deserve any kind of blessing at this point or for God to hear my prayers by no means. But it is another one of those times that I know, like, when you look back through your journey of mess, it's like, God, you was there. Mm -hmm. Even when I didn't deserve it, even when you had no reason to be, you was still there. And, you know, it's, he knew the future. He knew what we would be for her now, even though we didn't deserve it at that point. He knew what she would be for us. And the day that I got out and he come pick me up, I got pregnant that weekend with yeah. her. And it was just, it was crazy. You know, we had tried and everything. So I know it, it was God that did that. She, she has been such a blessing to us. After I had her, she wasn't even six weeks old. And I took some Xanaxes again and went into the store ceiling and I got locked up. So Jarvis was left to take care of her while she was just a baby. And I got put in Corinth jail when that happened, and we just knew that I was going back to prison again, and he hired a lawyer, but this was the time there was a girl in there that had a life study Bible, and I kept asking her and borrowing this Bible, and I would just read. I would be the only one in the whole pod that would just be reading the word, but it was just like this word was coming alive to me, and I could understand it so much. And then, like, every morning, I was hitting my knees on that bunk, and I was praying. Not praying. And I know a lot of times people go to jail, and they find that religion, and, you know, to get out. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't this time, like, to get out. It was just like, you know, I'm ready for something different. I want something different in life. And, you know, I was just, I was praying every day, and I was reading it every day. And it, one day they come in there, it was so unexpected, and they opened the door, and they're like, Carrie, get your stuff. God opened that door, and I got out. And I went back home. We we started going to church. We dedicated Carrie's life to the Lord. We was in there probably six months. And we was really trying. But on one hand, you know, got that one foot in the world. and got that one foot trying to live for Christ. The world's always going to overtake it. You know, God wants all your heart. He don't want half of you. He wants all of you. And so while we had good intentions, we was trying everything, we couldn't get it because we hadn't fully surrendered at that point. So we ended up having bad weeks or bad days and then skipping church here, skipping until we just wasn't even going anymore. And it was just, you know, kind of back to the same old stuff. I'm going to kind of just skip forward. What finally when God got a hold of me, me and Jarvis had split up, cry was probably about one or so, and I was living in a house that was pretty much like a dope house. I was selling drugs, using drugs, 
he had left because it had got physical between us. Like, it had got really bad between us, and we finally just went our separate ways. I was, like, completely giving up on life. Like, I just didn't know really what to do anymore, so I just dove head in to that lifestyle. And I just, I thank God that my daughter was okay. But during this time, I was in and out of jail, county jail, you know, constantly. And it was just constantly something. And my aunt and uncle and my cousins, they ended up taking Kara and taking care of her. And they was such a blessing through that whole situation. They was really God's end that, you know, they stepped up and they took care of her so much, but they never tried to keep her from me or her daddy. You know, it was just all about God had told them, you know, to, to take care of her. And they did, and they did such a great job. But I ended up going to jail. I got caught with some pills, ended up going to jail, and they sent me to the restoration ranch. I was actually in, in jail in a cell with me and my mom, and I was, I knew I wanted help, I wanted to do something different, but like my flesh was still, let me just go to a 30-day treatment facility and be done, you know, but when I was alone and I was crying, I was tired, tired of the same old cycle. I'd done it for so many years with my son. That scripture that in Proverbs 14, it talks about a wise woman will build their house up, but a foolish one will tear it down. That was me, like over and over the years. Get myself together, get my child back, have my home, and then it was like I would destroy it. In one moment of going backwards or using like it would just all fall apart you know my son would have to go back and stay with my dad I would lose everything half the time people would come into my home and take whatever they wanted whenever I went to jail it was just like free reign so it was like everything that I had worked to start over it was just gone and it was just a cycle over and over and over again Sheriff Toller I talked to him there and I was like you know and I was sincere I was like I want help you know these 30-day treatment centers don't help. Prison does not help. I, I would go down there and have the best intentions, come out, but every time it was just the same thing. Like, nothing was helping. It was this heart condition, and something had to give. Well, I ended up getting, me and my mother went in front of the judge the same day, and she ended up getting sent back to prison, not for too long, but they, they court-ordered me to, um, a faith-based rehab, the Restoration Ranch in Alabama. God sent, and I love that place, and I thank God for that place, and I would recommend a faith-based rehab to anybody over a, just a 30-day facility because I just feel like that's just not enough time, and if you don't incorporate, for me, I had to incorporate God in it because nothing else was going to help me to overcome the things that I had been through and things that I was doing, I needed something strong to help <laughs> to help overcome these issues. February the 29th of 2016 was the last time that I used any drugs. I got sent there and I ended up staying for like 10 months. I did still have like charges and stuff on me. During that time, I had to go and turn myself in in Memphis on Popular. Thank God, God knew, knew the future, knew, you know, that 
things was going to be different. So when I got there, I'm just like, okay, Lord, you know, I have went so hard for these streets so many years. I have just completely been out here just doing whatever. I'm fixing to give my all to you 100% without holding back and see what happens. And then I'm like, if it does not work, I know I can always go back and end up dead or end up in prison for the rest of my life. I know that's always an option waiting. So I'm just going to give it my all. And I did. I went in there with no reservations of the back of my head. I want to get high when I leave or, you know, I'm just going to do the motions like I had done numerous of times. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to put my heart and I'm going to lay it all down. Well, the first several months, like I stayed in trouble constantly. I was probably the, the picture of like the worst client there because I was constantly having to write chapters out of the Bible or, you know, I never was able really to get to bring my daughter over there because I stayed in trouble all the time. They would tell me, like, the one that's like this that has the hardest time is the strongest warriors. And I'm like, I don't get it. I cannot get it <laughs> like everybody else, you know. But I wasn't putting on no mask anymore. I wasn't being fake anymore. I was just, this is me. This is my mess. This is who I am. If you think you can do something with it, you know, I'm, I'm open. And about, I guess, about five months into the program, See, the whole time I was thinking, like, I got saved as a young child, actually a few times. I said the sinner's prayer, you know, it was baptized in church, you know, every time I tried to get my life together, you know, over and over again. And I'm like, so I'm saved. I don't really need to be saved or anything. And up until that point, like, my heart was so hard, like, there was no feeling in my heart. Like, I never cried. You know, I was just, it was just so much brokenness and like so much bitterness and hurt and shame and embarrassment of what my life was, what kind of mother I was, what kind of daughter I was. Like, it was just terrible. And from the moment I got there, God started dealing with my heart and I could feel, I could feel him. Like I could feel him in my heart and I would just cry like at services and worship just boo-hoo tears, but like I didn't have the words to say, and I would just go, and I would just lay my head down the altar, and I would just cry, you know, just to have those feelings. I'm, you know, God, you got to still be, you got to be there, because I can feel you in my heart. Well, on August 6th, uh, i never forget, there was a teacher that came, and he, you know, he was known to like prophesy and give words of prophecy and stuff. You know, the one thing I was praying for from the door like I just want to be restored to my children to my family I, I wanted me and Jarvis you know like I said we would split up and stuff and he was doing his own thing and everything but I was I don't know if there's too much water under the bridge but I just want my family restored you know I just I want us to be okay and to be back with them like that was my sincere heart prayer all the time and he looked at me and he was like God wants me to tell you restoration for you and I knew I knew in my heart that that was from the Lord and I gave my life to him that night I surrendered my life and I asked him into my heart to forgive me to to change me and like I just wanted to live for him forever and it was like from that point things started changing for me there I wasn't getting in trouble I could hear that small still voice when I started to open my mouth and say something I shouldn't to stop me to direct me, to show me the things that I should be doing, things that 
wasn't happening for me and I was staying in trouble all the time, but it was changing. Like it was changing on the inside. It was just so different. Any time in the past that I had said that prayer, like it was empty. I gave my life to him that night. And then I followed up with believers baptism a few days later. And that's been, <laughs> that's been it. Like God has transform me so much the person i am today it's nothing my life has been a 180 since then me and jarvis after i come home we did things different he was still you know living in sin but he started going to church with me from the very beginning i got a job within the first week that i was back home and i actually kept that job at girly girls until just here a couple weeks ago but i got in church Every time the doors open, because I wanted to be. I wanted to be close to God. And I have a wonderful church family at New Covenant. The support, the accountability, the love is just amazing. And it has been so great for my growth. But through that, me and Jarvis, he ended up getting saved as well. We did things the right way. I remember it wasn't long after I got home. We called Brother Dave. We want to get married because we want our relationship to be in Christ. We want him to be at the head and to lead and guide us and help us to get our family together. And from the beginning, you know, when I got back home, it wasn't long. My, my aunt, they never tried to keep her. They just watched and monitored, but it didn't take long at all. And she was back with us, back with me. And I'm just, I'm so grateful they never tried to make that difficult and it's just one thing after another I ended up going back to school a couple years like well I did have to go to court for those charges and I got placed under a court and I did that like the first three years completed never had a sanction or anything which is only by the grace of God because Many years they had tried to put me on drug court and I would never do it because I knew I could not do that. I could, there was no way that I could complete drug court. It would just be a failure from the beginning. So when they put me on there for the charges and everything, I didn't go to court with any kind of lawyer. I went with God on my side, whatever happens. I was back home six months clean whenever I faced the charges. They gave me drug court. Any other time I'd been to court, I always had a lawyer went in there, but I went in there with the best lawyer there was, and I completed that. After that, I went back to school, and I got my associate's degree at Northeast, and then I just recently completed my bachelor's at Ole Miss for social work. When I first went back, I was working on my accounting degree because that's what I had started back in 2011. One semester in it, God was like, this is, this is not it. You know, I was so unhappy with that. And I was like, something needs to give. And I did a lot of praying and a lot of seeking God. And I changed my major to social work, which was going to add several years onto it. But I had so much peace once I changed it. And I knew God has brought me out of this so I can help others, you know, that's going through the same thing. It's kind of where I am today, huh? Me and my field internship, and, you know, just looking to see what God's going to do next. You talked about your parents and how they had their own story. Appreciate that. We want listeners to know that we're just presenting mm-hmm. just what you went through, and we're not, we're not blaming anybody, and we're not saying they should have done this or they should have done that, because that's not it. It's just your story. Right. 
I know I was not the best mother and I failed in so many ways. I was human and I was outside of Christ. I didn't know how to be a mom, so I don't really know. Did they know? I have a wonderful grandmother at the end of the day, and I don't. I don't blame either one of my parents. I love them both, you know, and I know they've been through a lot. And it's just the choices that I made. But I do know that God gets the glory for everything that I've been through. This is what I went through it for, you know, this right here. And for the long time, I remember when I was at Restoration Ranch and they was needing somebody to to stand up and give their testimony. Like, I was so scared they was going to ask me. I'm like, Lord, please don't. And yeah. I've struggled with anxiety so much. And the enemy has used that to keep my mouth shut for so long. But at the end of the day, it's about glorifying God. It's about what he has brought me through. It's for a purpose. I did not go through all this to not share in the hopes of encouraging that other people have hope too. And it's like whenever all those times I used to think if I just didn't come back to this area that I would be okay. When I did, after I got saved and everything, I, I had to do a lot of praying because I almost didn't come back. I felt in my heart that God wanted me to come back so I could be an example to the people, all these people that's watched me through all my struggles, through all my failures, to see there's hope. If God can do this for me, he can do it for anybody. And I know through all my years of addiction and struggle, I would see people go to rehab, get clean, come back and do the same thing. But I never really was seeing, there was very few people that was getting it, that was living a different life, that was coming up out of darkness and actually being happy, having a life other than that lifestyle. And I'm like, God wants to use me for that. Like, I want to be that example to speak up because that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about giving God glory, giving people hope, knowing that you can do it. I'm glad you brought that up about coming back to the same area. I know a lot of times on uh, like Dr. Phil on these TV shows, he'll say, you may never be able to go back to your mm -hmm. hometown. But another thing that I think about that is if you're ready to change, it doesn't matter where you are. Right. Because if you're not ready to change and you're in another town, you're still going to associate with those same type of people. Yeah, so, um, that's true. I think it's a God thing for each person. You know, like once a person accepts God and they are ready to make the change that he wants them to make, then... It doesn't matter where they are. That's right. Because he's the one that's going to give you the power to overcome those things. You know, you're all, you always hear change your people, place, and things. And that is so true. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, when I see people that I used to get high with, my heart's, I'm reaching out, whatever, through messenger. But no, I'm not going, we're going to hang out together or anything. But that don't change the love I have for them. I want them to see Christ through me. Yeah. Like, and see, you know the old me. But look what God can do. He can do it for you too, you know. And that's a, I reach out to those people. That's my heart aches and hurts for people that I used to be in addiction with. Because, like, I want it so bad for them. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. And, like, I want everybody to have that same relationship and feel that same love and know that they can do this through Christ. I'm very curious about your background in church. Because you mentioned, like, even in prison you were praying. So. Mm -hmm. 
as a child were you were you taken to church? I was. My grandmother took me to church and then my daddy would take me on and off. It was a Baptist church, Little Brown and out in New Sight. I had a praying grandmother that I know to this day I mean, she stayed on her knees on my behalf. Anytime like I'm around her now, it's just she just cries because she knows she was able to see, you know, the fruit of her prayers because she did she she was like a mama to me more than a grandmother all those years and she did a lot of praying because i'm always talking about that foundation like yep. it's so important and of course and children and that's where my heart is a big time and so laying that christian foundation mm -hmm. like you just don't know like that's gonna be with them forever yeah it's like that scripture and i can't say it verbatim but raise them up in the way they should go. When they're older, they won't depart. They'll come back, so. In our Sunday school class, we always talk about planting seeds. Like you never know what seeds you're planting just when you talk to somebody. And I think that's the way it is with children. Like, you know, yeah. when they're in church, you don't know what they're gonna pick up and remember or, you know, that they're there. And if they're there, you need to try to plant something. Right. Even if they're asleep on the pew, just bringing them yeah. and having, you know, letting them see you as a parent, be faithful mm -hmm. to Christ, show it by example, live that relationship out in front of the community, your children, your loved ones. That's going to inspire people more than the words you speak. I'm just so proud of you. When we decided to foster, our plan wasn't to get into foster care and adopt babies and kids and have four kids. <laughs> that was not our, we wanted to be able to minister to children and people like you just be that bridge until they can get it together. And, and it really, like, all I can see is my little baby's mama who is in prison right now. And like, she, I've met her and I know that she wants it. She wants him and she loves him, but she just doesn't know how yeah. to overcome it. And she just, she can't get yeah out of it and I'm just so proud of you and it's just very touching to see you did it you overcame thank you so much I'm just like so excited about the future because I'm gonna get to work with people that you know I once was be able to incorporate my ministry mm -hmm. my education and my past like how great is that, like, that God has used all that and brought me to this place where hopefully he will be able to work through me to touch lives of people that is hurting and broken. Like, now I'm just so excited. Like, I just want to see everybody do good. <laughs> and I just want to talk to everybody and just, you know, give them hope and courage that, you know, you can overcome. You just got to give it to God. He is the, the way. So if anyone wanted to like be involved in the jail ministry, like what is that called? Like how would you um, well, what we did, we had a form we had to fill out through the church. You gotta do it through your home church and then we went to like an orientation thing at the jail and it's not really that hard, but I think you gotta be sponsored by your church. Okay. But there's several of churches in the surrounding community that goes like we have a schedule. We go on the third Sunday of each month and um like if somebody can't go or something, we'll step in and fill in. We're actually going this Saturday. We, I mean this Sunday. We were supposed to go last week but we had to swap it. So we're gonna bring like the females some cupcakes or something, you know, for Mother's Day, just you know, to kinda 
let them know they are loved too, no matter where they're at. And I wanted to ask about Restoration Ranch. Mm -hmm. Is that like, which I know you were court mandated, mm -hmm. but like if somebody wanted to get their person, you know, their family there, or if somebody wanted to get themselves there. Yes, you, you don't have to be court ordered. You can call over there. Like I've reached out on behalf of, you know, several people that would like reach out. Like I have a family member that's, mm -hmm. you know, needs some help and stuff. Not that they always go, yeah. but like it doesn't cost, but I think very little, like for maybe your blood work or something like that. But it's a nonprofit, like everything's run on donations there. So it's not government funded. I really believe it is holy ground there. To have a place that incorporates Christ in their program, I just so many results from that. Like, you know, you got to have something to put where you're empty. When you stop using, stop doing all that stuff in that lifestyle, you, you're still got that empty void. Like, right. you've got to replace that. So, as Kelsey mentioned, our last guest was my mother-in-law. She had an adopted son who his life tragically ended in suicide. He could never beat the addiction. But she left for you a letter that I'm going to read. She gave me permission to read it. Dear woman of fortitude, I wanted to share something personal. So I went to my favorite antique store for a walk down memory lane. The basket. I love them. Any shape, any size. The refrigerator magnets I collect because they're small and cute. The Bobsy Twin book, one of the first book series I read as a child. The refrigerator jar was like one my grandmother used to mold butter and souse, souse meat in. And I broke it after it came to me, so I keep looking for one just like it. This one is almost. The homemade soap, at least it's not lye soap like Grandma made. It's Amish, gum and peppermint, because all grannies keep it in their purse. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the goodies as much as I enjoy remembering the past. Betty Rogers, antique woman of ordination. So sweet. <laughs> She's got this big basket full of goodies in there. And she forgot to write in there that it's a great world. This was her first romance novel she ever read. She's a big reader. So she wanted to share that. I love it. That's so sweet. Uh -huh. And you need to keep the letter. You ready for some rapid fire questions? <laughs> yes. Alright, go. If you could be any animal, what would it be in one? The manta ray in the ocean. Because they're kind of known as the acrobat of the sea, and I love the ocean. Anything with the ocean or beach life. So, if I had to think of an animal, it would definitely be something coming from the sea. Um, what did you want to be as a child? I always wanted to be a pediatrician because yeah. I loved babies, and I just, that would have been my dream job. What celebrity would you want to meet for coffee? Probably Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Just because I love her and I've always loved her just growing up. I think she's beautiful and just so kind. What do you prefer, paper or digital pen? Digital. For sure. I have the to-do list, two different calendars because I have to keep up with everything. Favorite cartoon character? Betty Boop or Ariel. <laughs> Betty Boop is what my mother-in-law said. Really? <laughs> I love Ariel too. What's a song that sums you up? Overcomer by Eddie James. 
Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Massage by Kelty. Kelty Childs is a licensed massage therapist number 1511. Special thanks to our editor and producer, Daniel Rogers, and thanks to our musician, Brantley Rogers. If you love our podcast, like and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Women of Fortitude. Thank you.